This is Consumed, a scrappy little podcast about life and flavor. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a food and wine writer on California's Central Coast. Season two is sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine. Slow Life shares the happenings, stories, and personalities that bring San Luis Obispo County to life. I love writing the food column for the magazine, meeting the people behind my plate, and sharing it with readers. Check your mailbox every other month for inspiring stories about folks you want to get to know, places you want to see, and flavors you want to taste. To learn more about how you can get Slow Life delivered to your door, visit slowlifemagazine.com. At my table today is Valia Frum. You might know her from her wine brand, Desperada, which produces multiple wines from multiple vineyards across the Central Coast. I had never talked to Valia before, but I knew I wanted to get to know her because Desperada wines are delicious. I bought a few bottles of Sauvignon Blanc the last time I visited, and they did not last very long in my home. I learned from our talk that Velia is wise, energetic, and adventurous, both in life and in her work. She's married to Russell Frum, another winemaker in Paso, and I wanted to know what it's like for them each to take on the insanity of harvest every year, especially while raising their child. I found out why she named her concrete tulip tank Carmen, what her favorite varietals and wines are, and why she designed her beautiful wine label the way she did. P.S. You definitely want to check out Valia's website because it's really well thought out. It's at desperata.com. Okay, here's my discussion with Valia. Hi, Valia. Hi. It's so nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you as well. I knew who you were, um, and I've bought wine from Desperata. And oh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's yeah, great. very good. Great, thank you. Um, and then I've met your assistant winemaker, but I've never actually great. talked to you. Great, yeah, perfect. Yeah. And here we are. I know. Yeah. So um, it's a super hot morning here in mm-hmm. Slow, but you said you're heading up to Paso afterward. Yeah, 102, I think, is the... Yeah. So, you know, you know, it could be worse up there. Actually, yeah. 102 is not so bad. It's not so bad. And you know what? When you walk in the cellar, it's always 57 and it doesn't oh, really matter. Totally. So yeah. layers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I'm kind of wondering where you grew up. So I grew up in, um, well, my parents were kind of like gypsies, um, not real ones, but they just moved a lot. So it was always Southern California and Arizona. And we just kind of flip-flopped back and forth, not for any particular reason, but um, I don't know. They just always were on the move. It wasn't a job thing that was moving? Um, no, I think they just, I mean, yeah, they would they would get jobs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, duh. But they didn't, uh, it wasn't like for that. No, they just, uh, I don't know. They just always liked to move. Yeah. And, I, and I kind of adopted that as well up until I got here. Yeah. So I was always moving around too as a, as a youth, but it was, it's always been this part of the, this part of the world. So what, I mean, when you tell people what your primary spot growing up was, like maybe where did you graduate? I high say school? San Diego. Okay. Yeah. That's where I spent like kind of most of the time, mm-hmm. but actually graduated in Arizona. Okay. But then went back to San Diego as soon as I was done. Did you so go to college? That was kind of a home base. In San Diego? Uh, I did community college. Okay. Kind of off and on. Um, I did it there. I did it in Arizona. And then um, I kind of scrapped that and started into the uh, WSET program for wine. Oh, you did? Yeah. I did that too. Yeah, it's a great program. It is. I've been told that it's, um, you know, if you're going to compare the Court of Master Sommeliers mm-hmm. and the Master of Wine. Yeah. I mean, I, I a lot of people have said that WSET is more kind of journalistically focused, not so much focused on service. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, thank God, because... 
Yeah. I couldn't have done that. Yeah. I never wanted to be, I never wanted to do the Psalm thing mm-hmm. just because I, you know, the, the whole like hospitality and stuff like, um, just wasn't my main focus. Yeah. I started off in restaurants and fine dining. So I was like, I don't need to do that thing. I yeah. really wanted to focus on the wine and the spirits aspect of it. And to mm. get a master of wine, you got to get your W set. Right. So I started there, but I didn't finish that, but I will someday. How far did you get? Um, I've got two courses left in the diploma course. Yeah. Wow. Um, but then I moved here and then I started a business and you have to physically be there and it's LA or San Francisco mm. and it's always during the middle of harvest. Mm. Uh, and so, so I just only do it one time, like for diploma, it's one time a year. Uh, it is, it was currently at the time and every time I've kind of looked at it, it just doesn't work with yeah. my life. But at some point I'll go back and finish it because I want to. Yeah. And want to finish that chapter and like do that thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't, it's not super convenient here. Do you have to choose, you choose which your diploma is on. Don't you have to write? I have to write like a thesis. So did you choose that? No, because you, you do all the, um, like I think within the diploma course itself, there's like um, six or eight um, steps. Courses, yeah. Okay, okay. And then after that, then you write your paper. And then from there, then you can apply to go into the Master of Wine program. Okay. You can yeah. tell that I only, I, I got to three. Yeah. That's as far as I felt the need to go. And if you get what you need out of that, then it's good enough. It's a great program. Like it's it really, is. really informational and it's really well-structured and yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. So it sounds like you had already an experience with wines from all over the globe. It wasn't, I mean, obviously if you're down in San Diego, you're not focused only on Central Coast right, wine. Yeah. No, in fact, I didn't know a lot about Central Coast wines until yeah. I, I had been up here once, I think like of wine tasting or something. Mm-hmm. But until I moved here, I was pretty unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, did you, did a person help you fall in love with wine? Any, anyone in particular? You know, I worked in uh, restaurants um, from the time I was 18. And then I got in to, um, there was a place down in San Diego and they had a Psalm that was running the program there. Um, and he was just really good at educating the staff. And you know, getting people excited and doing a lot of tastings and really, um, yeah, I just caught the bug that way. Yeah. It was inspired by that passion and just like the whole food and wine scene. And we didn't grow up like that. My parents, mm-hmm. um, we ate, but we didn't eat. Um, like there was no gastronomic focus in our home uh, right. or wine for that matter. So your parents didn't drink wine. Mm-mm. What kind of stuff did you eat growing up? My parents, we were latchkey kids. My parents worked a lot. Um, and so there was definitely that like come home and like throw something in the microwave or watch TV until parents get home. And, but for the most part it was, um, they cooked a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing extravagant, but it was a lot of home cooked. Yeah. Breakfast and dinner and yeah. Yeah. And my grandma was a really good cook, really, um, cute little Jewish woman. And she would Mm -hmm. just, she'd make again, not fancy, but like Mm -hmm. really, um, you know, like I think back nostalgically on how, um, that was a, um, an important part of, yeah. of our life. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, is grandma still with us? Grandma's not, oh. but her name was Velia. So I was named after her and we were super close and she was the only grandparent I ever had. Mm. So we, we had a really cool relationship, but, um, she passed away a few, a few harvests ago. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. What does Velia mean? I was going to ask you that next, actually. Is there a meaning behind it? You know, she said it was, um, uh, that it, um, means valuable. And mm-hmm. it was an old Hebrew name or word. 
I've never verified. I've never bothered to look it up. That could mm. be a complete nutter lie. I don't know, but but I like that. But name. I like it, and and it was hers. And I've heard some Spanish and Italian variations, mm-hmm. um, like just a little bit different spelling, but pronounced the same way. But um, I don't know. Do you go by Velia Esh or Velia From? Velia From. Okay. Yeah. Esh is still out there everywhere. It totally it is totally actually. Is. Yeah. Yeah, as I was looking yeah. things up to talk to you, it was yeah. Esh a lot of places. Well, and I was going to keep Esh, and then um, we got married, and uh, he says, "Yeah, keep it. I don't, I don't care." And then I got pregnant, mm. and we were at the hospital, um, <laughs> like doing the pre-check-in thingy that you do, pre-registration. Yeah. And they said something about like baby Esh would be, and he was like, mm. "Excuse me," and they were like, "Well, it follows the mother's name. It's only for here. It doesn't really matter outside. Like once you leave the hospital, nobody cares." Mm. And we left there, and I looked at his face, and I was like, "Oh, you care." Mm. So I waddled my pregnant ass <laughs> down to the um, the DMV and the social security office. And I changed it literally the day before she was born. You did all of the like most boring bureaucratic stuff while you were pregnant the day before she was born. Yeah. But yeah. got it done because that way she could be from in the hospital and, and it that's mattered awesome. to him. So yeah. And, and, and I didn't really care. Yeah. So it's awesome. just a name. They're both good yeah. last names actually. Yeah. Kept it short. Like if it was like Stravinsky or something, I'd have been oh, really, Oh, but that would have been awesome. Yeah, too, that also actually. would be a cool name. Yeah. Yeah. What's your daughter's name? Minnie. Mini. Is that short for anything or is nope. it just? It's just Mini. It's a family name as well. On your side? On my side. Oh, I love I it. I had two great, great grandmothers that were named Mini. Yeah. Yeah. And then her middle name is from her dad's side. Right on. So yeah. Uh, what's her middle name? Adele. These are good Mini names. Mini Adele from. I feel like we're kind of in a, I feel like we're in a good zone with names. Na- yeah. There were some like Kylie and Matt years that I just, you know, the Matt and Sarah kind of mm, thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's interesting. I look at my son's name is Corbin. Okay. And there were a lot of boys and girls who had A-N or I-N at the end of their names right in that same zone. Right. Um, so I, I love that name still. Yeah. It means a gift. And so, and he has been a gift, but my daughter's name is Lulu and we don't oh, know any other Lulus. So cute. So yeah. And it's cool to have that unique. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was... I mean, when did you decide to go from loving wine and being interested in it? I mean, what did the WSET give you in terms of making wine? Um, you know, it just kind of gave me the desire to want to make wine. So, you know, being in the restaurant industry, and then I moved up to Canada, and I uh, worked for an importer and focused on sourcing wines from Europe to import into Canada. And dealing with their whole like monopoly system and learning all of that and then Mm. kind of turning back to California wines and trying to bring those into the country um, and just figuring out that whole system. Uh, I worked for a German wine brokerage for Mm. a number of years. Um, So I was always on that kind of side of it, on like the sales side. Mm -hmm. and had never done production. And so um, when things um, from an immigration standpoint and can't they like get out, you need to go, you're don't need to be here anymore. Oh. Like, How long was that? Well, I was like four years in. Yeah, I was trying to get that's long <laughs> residency. Yeah, well, I was trying to get residency, and they finally came back and said, "Nope, sorry, you're not oh. approved." And you know what? Everything works out beautifully. It works out how it's supposed to. And I'm kind of surprised, though. I yeah. feel like it's softer in terms of penetrating this Canada was, and U.S. This was in '04 and '05. It's oh. actually. Um, no, that takes that back. That was 07, I think when it was all said and done, but I moved there in 04. But you know, it's, they actually make it, we make it really hard on one another Mm. for being like neighboring countries. And, Hmm. you know, I don't know if it's like a work pool thing or what, but, um, it's actually, 
it doesn't, it's not always that easy. Yeah. So they said no. And I said, okay, well, that's a sign for me to, you know, look to do something else. And I missed my family and I missed the beach. I missed California yeah. a lot. I was like, you know what? These winters and these summers suck Yeah. in Ontario. Mm. So you have really mm. beautiful spring and fall. That's three months out of the year. And I was like, you know what? I'm tapping out. I'm yeah. going back. Yeah. Um, so I moved here and I um, was super broke. So I lived in a little trailer mm-hmm. that I bought. I moved it onto a vineyard and uh, decided to get a job uh, in the cellar. And that was here in Slow County? That was in Paso, yeah. How'd you choose here? Um, well, if you're broke, you don't move to Napa. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I mean, so yeah. I was up there and uh, I was still working for my um, my old business partner still owns a distributorship up there. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we want to bring California wines into Ontario and Alberta. Um, but their taxes are really, really high. Mm-hmm. And so you need to start with a base product that's not so expensive and it's much easier to source that from the central coast at that time and still is Mm -hmm. than northern california yeah and so and i had been to paso and it was cool and so we actually we both came down and scoped some things out and talked to some people and uh and then i went back and i drove myself down and got a trailer Mm -hmm. and lived on the vineyard and made ended up making wine for that brand for a couple of years oh really yeah so um and they still have that brand but they're they're um sourcing it elsewhere now because i started my own brands and i was like i don't want to I I want to just focus on this. Yeah. And I don't want to be, you know. That's a big leap. Yeah, and that was over the span of like 2 years. Okay. Yeah. And it was super helpful having a uh my then boyfriend now husband mm-hmm. um also, you know, as was a wine is a winemaker and that was really um and he'd been doing it a heck of a lot longer than I had. Yeah. So it was uh helpful to see like what did you do wrong? What mm. works? Like what do you think of this idea? Like, you know, that's it was nice to be able to bounce ideas off of him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I also started doing all the, all the bookkeeping, all the accounting, all the compliance for the brand in Canada. And I mm. feel like that was a really good structure. Like if you're going to have your own business, it's not just about making wine. It's a business, whether yeah. you're selling pole beans or you're making wine or you're whatever it is. It is so it's totally a business. business. Yeah. yeah. A it's commodity. Not yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that was really helpful to learn all that backside. And then I got a seller job and I was like, this is way better than selling wine. Hmm. I'd rather dig out tanks than hmm. hit the streets. Is it really? I mean, digging oh, yeah. out tanks. Oh, it's so fun. I've never done a harvest. It's very like visceral. It's very like, you should. I know. I've, I've batted that around. Yeah. I know I could find someone who would let me, but yeah. having children and kind of keeping a home is... It would be hard to have that big, heavy season right. and not spread out over the course of a year. If you want little bits and pieces, you can always come to Desperata. And you can, I, you're you going to regret do a, having do a few days. me. No, come on. <laughs> we'll, we'll take free labor. Are you kidding? Well, and so you had a to- You have a toddler. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been with those harvests? I mean, I'm curious for different. my own sake. Yeah, different. different. Yeah. yeah. I really... Um, you know, I miss those like, hey, I can get up at four or five and I can be there until 10 if I need or want or whatever. And like, that's not an option really anymore. Like mm-hmm. we had to take our turns with it because there are going to be some days that are really long days. Um, and so he'll take those and then we'll switch off and I'll take them when I need them because we have very different, uh, our harvest, the way it all falls is mm-hmm. a, is very different between the two of us. Is generally his speaking. a lot later? No. Oh, it's actually, not? Mine's later and mine's oh. earlier. Mine's okay. longer, but his is more intensive in the middle. Oh, okay. Because um, we are doing different grapes and mm. different vineyards. It's a lot of the same vineyards, but very different grapes. So mm. um, that really changes. So we just kind of work together and and realize that having a family life is important. And so, you you know, there are some days where I leave the girls there and I'm like, 
Bye. Yeah. Have fun. But you have good people. I I have great people. Yeah. I have great. And so, and that's, you know, that's why it's possible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we can't do those too, too often. But, you know, we just take turns and we figure it out. And if it's important to be there late or to be, you know, wherever early, Mm -hmm. we just, we switch off. Yeah. We tag team. And we also have an amazing nanny that um, has been here for a long time in this area. And she knows the wine industry really well. And she's like, really, you know, just just, through a familiarity standpoint, right? Like she understands harvest. And she's like, hey, whatever you need. So that's really awesome. It's like money in the bank to have someone helpful that you trust and long term. A zillion percent. And she's been with us since Minnie was nine weeks old. So oh, that's, that's so like awesome. it's her. She calls her mama. It's great. That is awesome. Yeah. Mama Erica. She's really great. Mama Erica. Mm-hmm. We love you. We love you. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. How so it you... takes a village, right? To like, oh, it totally to does. To do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wish... Uh, I wish I took that maybe a little more seriously at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I really thought, uh, I mean, at the beginning of being a mom, I thought that I really was supposed to do everything myself. And I thought that I was supposed to wash the cloth diapers and hang them up in the sun and mash the baby food and nurse until he was five years old. And I mean, I just, I wish I hadn't bought that. Yeah. And that's the story that we get from... Like this is multi-generational. Right. This is many, many decades of that's your job. And and if you don't do all those things, then you're failing. And if you don't want to do those things, then you're failing. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And that's such the wrong dialogue, yeah. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, and it because it is multi-generational, it's even harder to change. I mean, yeah, it's, it's in my blood yeah. and it's in the water that we drink. I mean, it's everywhere. It is. Yeah. 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 So this is kind of a cool era when... We are starting to change, but it's still sticky, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How did you meet Russell? Uh, I was making wine for the Canadians, and also my seller job was at the co-op in Paso, which oh, okay. I don't even know. It doesn't even exist anymore uh, as a co-op. But, is um, it PRWS? It's PRWS. Okay. And I think it's still there, but I think they just use it now for, um, I don't think they have a bunch of custom crush clients. It's like AP storage or something. So yeah, for, for their own their own company because it's owned by the Bienacito family, the right. Miller family, and they own um, PRWS and CCWS and um, Bienacito and um, Solomon Hills and yep. yeah, French got, Camp and French Camp. Yep, they got a lot of stuff going right. So at that time, though, they had I'd say there was probably thirty or forty different APs, so alternating proprietors that worked within that facility. Yeah, and so you can make your wine there independently and utilize their space and their equipment and all that kind of stuff. Um, my husband calls it uh, winemaking boot camp, mm. which mm-hmm. is kind of a really, I think, accurate assessment. It's a good education. Um, it is because you see all these different um, personalities doing all these different things in all these different ways. Mm. And it's a really great place to look and see, yeah, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Or like, look what he did and see how that worked out. So that was a really great place to kind of hone my teeth. And I was there mm-hmm. for a couple years on and off. And he used to uh, co-own a brand called Barrel 27. Mm-hmm him and his old partner. Um, and then they both had their own brands on the side. So they would make a lot of the barrel 27 wines at the co-op cause it was large enough. And so we met there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I met Russell through, I worked for proof wine marketing. You did. Yeah. They did my label. That was like one of the last ones they did. Before yes. They cause left. I think, well, I became, I got pregnant in 2009 and I backed way off, um, I was kind of writing from home. Oh, crazy. So you must have come in probably about that time. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was right around that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually Philip, 
Muzzy. Yeah. yeah. So he was um, a good friend of Russell's. In fact, when he had first moved from Michigan, I think he stayed on his couch for a bit. I don't I know, or maybe they remade it. I don't know, whatever. But um, Phillip's become one of my best friends. Yeah. And he really jockeyed for, because they were kind of done taking brands at that time. They mm. weren't doing that. They were developing other things and yeah. doing all the probably higher revenue stuff. And, yeah. uh, and I was super desperate. I was like, I have this wine and I don't want this. I don't want a shitty label. No. I want it to be like, I, this is such an important and integral part of a brand mm-hmm. is that design. And, uh, he really went to bat for me and they, they took it on and did an amazing job. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, what was that process like coming to that label? It was like being on a psychiatrist's couch. I know. Well, like, they would do it to the nth degree. They really uh, would turn it into therapy. Like, what's in your subconscious? Why are you here? <laughs> why do yeah. you need to be yes. here? Yeah. What are you going to do that's different? What are you going to do to set yourself apart? Why are you doing this? And then, and it, and it delves so far in. Like, I would leave there after like the creative meetings, which we only had a couple, but, um, and then they were like, okay, well, we have what we need. We'll call you later. Um, but I would leave there like exhausted, yeah. mentally like drained, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. And then they came back you know, a couple months later, or however long it was, and said, here's our three ideas. Mm-hmm. Which one is you? And I was like, that one. Oh, you knew right away. I liked that one. Yeah. Yeah. And what is it about that label that, that was perfect for you? Or what did you share with them? Because that, that I mean, label, if, if you don't know what it is, it's a woman's, it's like a, a head-to-toe image of a woman, and then there's like this line yeah. across it. So what they really are, mm-hmm. is so all of these women are... Um, They're taken from like 19th century paintings for the most part. Uh, A lot of them are like Venus, Diana. There's a woman of the night in there as well, but they're, um, they're usually nude and they're powerful and they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they put them on a super industrial style, like unrelated background. Mm -hmm. And then the dress is actually pen and pencil drawings Mm -hmm. of nudes mostly by Klimt, oh. but by uh, other artists they've taken as well. And they smash them together and they cut out this dress to cover the woman. Oh, it's so, I mean, they were always it's, so smart. I know they were just, they were, they were good at it. Yeah. Um, and so the feminine and the masculine to mm-hmm. me, like that just really, and the idea of like what desperata is as a word, which is a made up word, but it kind of evokes this, like it's a feminine desperado, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of like this outlier kind of a, does your own thing, kind of an outlaw, kind of a mm-hmm. kind of feeling. A I, rogue. Yeah. And I like that, that I've always kind of, you know, traveled a lot and I've always kind of felt that way. Mm. So I don't know, just spoke to me and Do it looks good. It does look good. It looks good. It's very pretty. It's not girly, no. but it's feminine and it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I use the word pretty for everything. Yeah. I actually said yesterday we were at the beach in Cayucas, and I said, oh, what a pretty wave. And my husband's like, it's not pretty. And I said, yes, yes, it, it is. is. It's like perfect and yeah. powerful, and it was breaking just right. Yeah. And All the yeah. things that pretty can mean, too. Totally. And yeah. that's one of my favorite yeah. tasting notes, actually, yeah. is like, this is really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, I, I'm sure, well, I'd, I should, probably shouldn't assume, but my assumption would be that you get asked about being a female winemaker a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you not like that? Um... It's such an interesting time we live in, isn't it? Yes. Um, I think that um, focusing on the fact that I'm a female or a woman mm-hmm. really does take away from the the art of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think for anybody, right? Like I was just, we have some friends in from Australia and we were just um, hanging out yesterday and we were talking about... Um, they were uh, looking at something and then it's like, oh, this is the, um, she's the best uh, female tennis player in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how about she's just the best 
tennis player in the world. Right. Why does that have to come before it? Why is that qualified? And until that, I think, kind of changes that focus, like it's the best, you know, African-American, it's mm-hmm. the best indigenous, it's the best female, it's the, why qualify it like mm-hmm. that? Like no one says, hey, you are the best Caucasian male male <laughs> telecaster that ever lived. Like no one says that. Um, no. And so I, yeah, so I, I don't think that's a really... I don't think that's really good for where we're at as a society. Yeah. Um, having said that, I'm very proud to be. Sure. Of course. And, um, but I don't think that that should be the focus of like it. The like narrative. the qualifier. The, yeah. The yeah. dialogue, the narrative, like kind of all that stuff. Yeah. You know. With the women's, uh, U.S. women's soccer team taking everything down at the World Cup, which was so, so cool. much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, they one of the commentators had Abby Wambach on, who used to be on that team, and she, it was it blew my mind. She talked about being the highest scorer of anyone in any U.S. team ever, uh, and that was such a great moment to realize. You know, it doesn't have to be qualified by right. gender. It's right. so cool, and and their discussion about equal pay is really interesting too mm-hmm. because. They are just as popular, if not more so right now in terms of what they're taking in. Totally. Um, So it really should be equal. It makes no sense to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I also don't want to take away, um, I think being a woman is amazing. Yeah. And I don't want to have that not be an important part. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird line to toe, I think, Mm. especially with having a daughter as you do. And you want to teach them, like you want to change that dialogue and narrative for them too, going forward. Um, and you also don't, I know there are many women in other industries that are like feeling and experiencing serious, you know, um, what's the word? Like inequality. Yeah. Inequality and just, um, like abuse essentially. Um, and I just don't subscribe to that Mm. and I don't, feel that. Like some people ask, you know, how is it like, you know, being a woman winemaker versus being a man? I'm like, I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Did I not get that contract because I'm female or did I not get that contract because I'm asking for a 10 and a half and they can sell the rest of it to one, like, you know, mm. that also mm-hmm. from a business point, you know, so I just choose to not go there, mm. but that mm-hmm. doesn't, I don't want to in any way, um, like negate any, like what other people's experience are. You know yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important, mm-hmm. but I just, I'm just don't have it. Is that almost also for you not to just make yourself crazy thinking about it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could be kind of obsessive, I suppose. Sure. And then you're, th- and then whether it's even accurate or not, you're, you're in that zone and yeah. that's just, I don't, I don't the know. stories we tell ourselves are very powerful. Yeah about either being a victim or, and this, this again, like you said, is not to negate, there are real victims. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but for some of the gray zone stuff, I've seen women really choose one or the other. Right. Um, and that's, that's a hard line to toe. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's people experiencing real discrimination Mm -hmm. and, and real, um, just like unbearable workplace stuff. And, uh, and I, we don't have that. Yeah. I also work with a bunch of women. 
Yeah. That's nice. Do you do that by choice or is that, are they, the, I mean, I do gosh, now. I get trapped yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I'm thinking, are they the most qualified for the job? Yes, of course they are. Um, but was it there? I mean, there's a lot of competition up in Paso. There, there is. And I, I didn't start off that way. That wasn't like an idea in the beginning. Like I'm going to have an all female mm-hmm. staff and an all woman winery. Um, but now I wouldn't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's also men in the background. Um, I'm sure. So it's, you know, it's not like, you know, Russell and I actually share a couple of employees. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, we have such an amazing staff on both sides of us. And yeah. there's a few that we share. And a couple of them are men. And they're awesome. That's but, cool. um, you know, I think having that, that female staff, like during harvest and just on a daily basis, mm-hmm. um, is really cool. Yeah. I want to take a minute to share about one of my supporters on the Consumed podcast. If you're listening, you're probably a fan of good food and good people, right? Well, coming soon, the San Luis Obispo Public Market at Long Bonetti Ranch will bring fresh flavor, fresh faces, and fresh inspiration to the Central Coast. Let me tell you, this is going to be a very big deal. Long Bonetti Ranch was established in 1880 and is named after George W. Long and Florino Bonetti. The ranch housed horses and dairy cows and produced grain, veggies, and flowers. The Slow Public Market will honor the Long and Bonetti family legacies with local purveyors of different foods and ingredients, ranging from a brewery and a cheese shop to tacos, coffee, ice cream, juices, spirits, and my personal obsession, bao buns. There's lots more to come, and it's all coming very soon. To learn more about the Slow Public Market or for information on becoming a merchant there, visit slowpublicmarket.com. Is your seller up at Tin City where you mm-hmm. sell? Okay. Mm-hmm. And is his, is he? He's on Paso Robles and 13th Street. Is that where he but makes the wine too? Dan's Tire Shop. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it good to be in separate spots? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because <laughs> we didn't used to be. So after oh. we left PRWS, when he... Um, he left Barrel 27 and decided to do Herman's Story all on his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, PRWS, uh, well, he didn't have a home to make wine. Mm-hmm. So he used to drive by that building all the time. And it was like this empty building right next to the tire yeah. shop. And um, and you'd, you'd get off to go to, to work every day and you'd pass it every day. And so he went and checked it out. And um, the landlord agreed to let them let us modify it to be a winery. And so within that, I moved over my barrels too. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I only had six barrels. Oh yeah. Like this was in, I don't even know what year, 2011. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and then we worked together every day and we did, you know, that harvest, we did all that stuff together. We mm. worked the tasting room every single Thursday oh, through wow. Sunday. Every, like it was, that was it. I we, love that. We did it and it was great. And, um, and then as he grew and as I grew and we had more employees and we had more st- Staff and we had more barrels and it kind of, and then I wanted an amphora and then I wanted mm-hmm. another amphora. And then it got to a point where it's just like, we're running out of space and we also have such different styles and mm-hmm. creative, um, like energy and how we do things. And in order to foster that, you just, it's hard to have a roommate. Yeah. So, sure. yeah. So we were, we both agreed that for the sake of our relationship mm-hmm. and also for our brands, that it would be a good idea for me to move out. Yeah. And, uh, and I just got really lucky at that time when Tin City was just kind of so cool. starting to, and I called our buddy Andrew Jones, who's, if I ever have a question, I call him first. Cause he's just same. He's got his hands on the pulse of everything. He really he's, does. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, he and he's is the kind only, of omniscient. He really does know. It. He does. And he's <laughs> the only man I know that, um, 
He's the best multitasking. Yeah, here we go. He's the best multitasking man I know. Yeah, white Caucasian. Sorry, Caucasian. he's a white. He's a Caucasian man that can multitask. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, there's there's actually a building about to go up. Uh, Call my landlord." And I did, and that just it worked out. It just worked out. Yeah, I have cool. heard. I'm not going to name names, and I'm also not going to um, say <laughs> numbers, but I have heard that your brand kills it up there. Well, thanks. Yeah, I Thank have. You. Thank you. If you were going to define the style of your wines and the evolution of how you came to that style, what would mm-hmm. it be? Uh, that's a hard question to answer mm-hmm. about your own thing, right? Like, yes. I mean, um, it's kind of like the labels. It's kind of masculine and feminine all mm-hmm. at the same time. Like they're not, they're not light wines. They're not, um, uh, they have a lot of power. They have a lot of structure. I'm a real fan of tannin. I'm a real fan of wines that, um, can last red and white. And I expect them to do that. Mm. And if they don't, I kick them out. No. Um, so I want them to be powerful and I want them to be, um, strong. And I also want them to be feminine. Mm. And I think that they are, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of prettiness in them. Yeah. Um, but, but not being, they're not light. They're not, you know, and nothing wrong with light wines. I'm mm-hmm. just, that's not my, 12 and a half percent isn't my style. Okay. Oh, um, that, okay. So that's what you mean by So like in a, in a lighter bodied wine, right? Yeah. Like, um, and I, I, I enjoy those too, but that's, you know, it's not where we live. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it has to be dictated by the fruit and all yeah. of that. So yeah. do you know where, I mean, you obviously know something of where you're going to pull from every year, but do you have, totally. do you explore still new spots? Every single year. Yeah. Yeah. It drives, uh. I'm sure it drives Riley a little crazy. She's yeah. like, what are we doing this year that's different? So, um, you know, I only do, I don't know, maybe 30, 300 cases mm-hmm. is kind of the number, give or take. And um, there's been some years where that's been lower and higher just based on, obviously, weather and climate and the harvest. But in general, I try to stay, I'm not looking to get any bigger. Mm-hmm. If anything, I like to get a little smaller and just kind of maintain that. Yeah. Um, but out of that, we do, I think last year we did 19 SKUs. Mm. Wow. I know. It's insane. Eight different Sauv Blancs. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a lot. So yeah, a lot of it goes direct to consumer. We do it in the tasting room, but you know, distribution wise, what's out on the shelves or in restaurants is probably only like four, four SKUs. Yeah. So you wouldn't really know the rest of it, but I, you know, I kind of see it as like, there's like these stalwarts that have to be there every year. And then, and then I get room to explore and to try new things. Mm -hmm. Every year we do a different white just for fun, just Mm -hmm. to check it out. This year we're doing Falangina. I'm really excited. Oh, where are you getting that from? I'm getting it from Whale Rock. Oh. They have an organic, uh, Castoro's Organic Vineyard over on 46. They oh. happen to have a couple acres of Falangina. And I was like, perfect. Do you? We've done Peak Pool. We've done Chenin Blanc. We've done, we just tried all. And so we've done Aglianico. Mm. Uh, we do Barbera. So we do little bits of a lot of different things. And we play with, you know, vessels a lot. And yes. there has to be that experimentation. We also do a lot of experiments dur- during harvest. Like, mm. you know, one year we did a control with like, okay, let's do this whole lot, Delastage, this whole lot, pump overs in this whole lot, punch downs, and then let's assess it in nine months after it's gone through ML. And let's mm. see if any of that made, well, like, what made a difference and why did it make a difference and how do we want to do it different next year? And so mm-hmm. without that, I think it'd be really boring for me. And yeah. I just, I wouldn't enjoy it like I do. Yeah. Have you ever had a year where you felt like you were tired of trying things? Um, no, I've had years where I was just tired of harvest. Yeah. Like there's some that just never end. Like last year, it's really mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. and challenging. It's challenging. 
Was um, it small last year? I can't remember. No, it was not. No, it wasn't. It wasn't overly big either. It was, we were kind of on target for what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just, it just went late and that's really hard because my building, I don't have a heat option. I don't have a warm room. Uh, and so challenging for me, like, you know, by the time all those Bordelais varietals come off, it's already late. And yeah. then it was a later year in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, we pressed our last lot like December 14th <gasps> last year. Oh, my word. Yeah, really. And so that was hard. And it was hard to keep the fermentations happy. Yeah. You know, if you don't have tanks, you don't have glycol and you don't have a Wait, warm room. Wait, what's glycol? Glycol is um, what they use to heat and cool tanks. Oh, okay. So, you know, when you look at a tank and it has like all those little dimples. Yes. In the, so inside those, those are like jackets. Mm. And in, you run glycol if you have money and you build a winery that has <laughs> glycol in it, uh, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. um, then you run heat and cool through there and that, you know, helps you control those fermentations. Yeah. But without that, you're just praying yeah. at one point we rented a tent from taylor rental and i got heaters in there and we i mean it's ridiculous that is but if crazy. it's getting cold outside and it's cold inside so that that made it challenging so like those kind of things um you know those are frustrating yeah but it's never like i get tired of you know that's what makes every vintage unique yeah what are your stalwarts when you mention those uh cab Mm-hmm. Like just the varietal cab, like that is my single biggest varietal. It's one of my favorite varietals, which mm-hmm. is why I make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes into like I do an all hundred percent cab, mm-hmm. um, and then a couple different cab blends, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we do some Italian varietals. Yeah, then, it sounds like it. Yeah, and then Sauv Blanc. Okay. That's that's literally half my production, which sounds crazy, but um, we do lots of them, and they're really great. And it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. grapes, and um, and we always sell out. So. Yeah. I've just increased that in the last couple of years and added a couple of new vineyards last year, which was really fun. So yeah, I'm wondering where you get your soft blanc from. Happy Canyon, mm. Edna Valley, Santa Maria. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is the Happy Canyon stuff? That's a really hot spot, right? Uh, it is. It is hot. It's not as hot that, as right? Paso. Okay. Typically, it's uh, it's a little cooler, uh, not by much, but it's also um, you get that really great diurnal shift, mm-hmm. and you get. You get the hang time. You know, it's not so hot so fast that everything gets fried. Yeah. You get like this kind of longer growing season. It's mm. great for Bordelais stuff. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Sauvignon Blanc. That was that was my moment when I decided, oh, I have got to learn more about this. The WSET, the first or the second, I guess it was the second um, certification. I had never tasted a lot of different stuff. I had tasted mm-hmm. stuff here. Right, right. Um, but... I had never experienced, say, a Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc. And a Sancerre. Exactly. Those were the two. Yeah. yeah. And that that made my mind up right. for me. Yeah. And that Sancerre, I mean, I still think of that and then like a spate laser Riesling. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I, my brain kind of couldn't take in totally. how much change there was there yeah. and variation and Well, that's why that program is so cool because it really is all about the sensory. Mm -hmm. It really is about tasting and drinking and tasting and drinking and tasting and drinking. And that's how you learn and that's how you develop your palate and that's how you, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that Sancerre. There were, you know, we're spitting all day long. It's like 65 wines in a day, which for me is a lot. Oh, me too. Is it for you too? Oh, totally. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the Sancerre, I couldn't spit it. It was like, oh, this has to be part of my body now. This is so good. So good. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I feel about Sauv Blanc. It's so good. Yeah. Like I love the acidity of it. I love the freshness of it. I love its diversity. Like it can, it's so expressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's You've really cool. traveled a lot. Um, a bit. 
Yeah. yeah. Where's a place that you've been that maybe not everybody has been that you recommend? Uh, <laughs> or a favorite spot. You know, we were just talking about Oaxaca last night. That's one of oh. my that's one of my favorite states in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Really, really magical, beautiful beaches. Some good eating too. Like walked out on the beach for the first time ever and just cried at the beauty of it. Oh. Like that pretty. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and the cities are amazing and there's so many artisans there mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, good eating and just really great. Yeah. Great, great, great place. Isn't, I mean, yeah. am I right? Mole is a big deal there. Mole is a very big deal there. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And mole. So can, many moles. Yeah. So many different types have of moles. Have you had Matt Carella's mole? You have no. to have. No. Oh, at Six Test Kitchen. The, I, I'm embarrassed to admit I, I know they're right behind me and I have not yet been there. <laughs> Awful. I know. Don't worry. We'll be there. I'll be there soon. Yes, you will. Um, yeah. No, I haven't. He makes um, the, I think he's called the chef de cuisine. He makes several different moles. Yeah. He lived in Mexico City for a time. and Nice. He does a green one. He, does, I mean, you know, there's like there's just, there's 900 so, ingredients in each right. one. Yeah. And he will... He brought it to my door. Oh. Hi, Matt. You're amazing. And Bailey is going to so come sweet. and have your... Yes. That's so sweet. Yeah. So much love and um, passion goes into like when you are making something like that. That mm-hmm. is because you care. He totally does care. I mean, you have to. Otherwise, that would be insane. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Uh, who's somebody that you would consider maybe a mentor or kind of a guide? In, not in just wine. In life. My grandmother was for sure. Yeah. Um, she was... My parents were awesome, but they were my parents. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was the person that would um, that took me f- to my first opera at seven. Oh. She's the one that took me traveling. She's the one that took me to my first racetrack, uh, my horse horse mm-hmm. race, um, and let me bet on horses and like taught me that thing. And like mm-hmm. um, she was just she showed me she you know symphonies and operas and and eating and um, she was the person that kind of did that for me. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. She like, guided a lot in my life. And kind of, um, it sounds like she was a cultural bombshell. Like she just was. Into she it. was a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely awesome. was. My grandma was yeah. kind of like that. She, yeah, she was kind of into the finer things in life, but without being super bougie and right. very down to earth. Like not pretentious about it. Just no. Yeah. Classy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what opera you saw at seven? Carmen. What, and that's a biggie. That's like it bombastic. Is. And actually, I have one Italian concrete tank in my cellar that mm. was a gift wow. from my husband. It's really nice. I was like, please Wine don't ever buy me jewelry. <laughs> He's like, honey, I got you a gift. And I was like, what is it? And he was like, it's a concrete tulip. And I was like, you're the best. <laughs> uh, you're but it, weird. You guys are I know. weird. I would never buy. a. I wouldn't spend my money on concrete. I yeah. spend my money on terracotta. And so that was really mm. sweet. And I think he bought it for himself and then realized he didn't have anywhere to put it. And so he wanted to put it in my cellar. But fine, now whatever. He's a big jerk. No, um, so that's her name is Carmen because mm. she's Italian. And that was my first opera. And mm. yeah. Did you did you travel a lot in Italy? Uh, I have. I've been to Italy four or five times. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love to... It's like, what do you do in a few weeks' time, right? Like, that's why, you know, I backpack when I was younger in, like, Central America and Mexico, and that's such an incredible way to go and spend a time and see the things and just go wherever you want. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as an adult with a business, like, Mm -hmm. you can go somewhere for a couple weeks. Yes. Um, So I would love to go longer. There's a lot of regions I haven't been to. I've never been to France, which is 
dumb. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, no, I'm it's dumb. It's feeling dumb. for you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's on my list. Um, but yeah, uh, I love Italy. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. I like the vibe. I so like the do people. I. Yeah. What I know that, um, I remember that Russell's quite a cook. He's a great cook. And a very, uh, not, I wouldn't say adventurous so much as just full in, I He's kind of full in for everything, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. all, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's an all in kind of guy. <laughs> um, are you a cook? Do you like to cook? I do. I love to cook. Yeah. Um, I think I'm pretty good at it too. Yeah. But uh, I don't cook anymore. Ever since I got pregnant, mm. I just kind of lost that desire when I was pregnant. Yeah. And now we have this like beautiful division of labor that just kind of naturally mm. happens where he does all the shopping and cooking. Mm. And I just don't because he's better at it and sweet. I don't know, like whatever. And if I really have a hankering to do something, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm a real soup fan. I love soups and I'm really good at soups. Soup people are different than other people. <laughs> they are. I love soups. I love soups too. I can eat soup every single day. Yeah. So if I really, really want soup, like I'll, I'll get in the kitchen myself. Yeah. Um, but in general... Um, and I know it's not gone. It's just, you know, I've got a little kid and we've got our businesses yes. and whatever. And, you know, so it's just easier to let him do it. Totally. And he's really good at it. Well, if he's good at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking recently, not for any, um, I don't know, not for any old fashioned reason, but my husband does all of our finances because I can barely count. I mean, I just Sweet. don't have yeah, the that number is not thing. your no, it's not right. my thing. Yeah. Um, and he <laughs> has really atrophied with his ability to feed himself. Uh-huh. And um, it's all those numbers. It He's is. just so tired of numbers that he can't even eat. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there was one time, and I don't mean to throw him <laughs> under the bus, but it was, I really saw how much it had atrophied when I had to go do something. And I said, just, you know, make like a sort of Mexican salad and, um, I gave him an avocado and he said, now, do you want it like sliced or should I cube it? And I said, sweetie, that is entirely up to you. Yeah. That is your decision. Wow. And I could yeah. see that he was struggling to process. Right. And you're like, oh, here, let's, yeah, I'll just do yeah, it. Yeah, just do you. it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. Yeah. So you do all the cooking. I really Most, do. Yeah. 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 I love it. Most of the time I love it. Yeah. I will have seasons where I dive into recipes where every night is a like a very prescribed yeah. thing. Yeah. But, then, but I think that's healthy and fun too, because I think it gives um it allows you to um like you need some sometimes fresh material. And oh, then from totally. there you like kind of go off and do other things. But yeah, yeah. I think I'm very recipe oriented. Yeah. I love following recipes. I know that's not always um in vogue, but I just I yeah. love yeah. reading what other people think tastes great. Yeah. It's one of those things that you can replicate from an author. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, what they taste is what you taste. Yeah. And then you tweak it if you want it different. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I ask everybody what they would eat on their deathbed. And I'm going to ask you and also what you would drink and who would be there. Hmm. Well, I know what I would drink. Yeah. I would drink... Um, uh, I'd like a Madeira, please. Somewhere mm. in the one to 200 years old, ideally. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, like old Madeira. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. Like a Cerciol, not a Boule. It's a little too sweet for me, but I'm probably not pronouncing those right. But, um, or Toronto's like, I, I definitely yeah. want like a, an old acidic, beautiful Madeira. So wait, so a Toronto's, you're not talking about an, uh, an old Toronto's. Well, some, uh, they have made Madeira from Toronto's. Oh, have also. they? And so, um, I did not know that was one of the... Because there's like four main grapes, right, that usually make up. Yeah. Um, and 
what was it? Is it like a 1977 or something that somebody gave me? Mm-hmm. And it fully said Tarantas on it, and it was fully Madeira. And I was oh, like, oh, okay. I didn't know that either. But and it, it was, was beautiful. Awesome. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, definitely Madeira. Um, That's one that nobody has said yet. It's one of my favorite wines in the world. Always. I'm going to have to get. Yeah. But, you know, like, a, the, is it Boul or Boual? I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly, but it's mm. those tend to be a little su- sweeter for me, a little heavier. Mm-hmm. So, like, the more like the Cercial ones. About Madeira. Um, and the older, the better. And usually you see them in like a five year, 10 year, whatever. But if you can get an old vintage, mm-hmm. I mean, it's mind blowing. Mm. It's crazy. I love it. Yeah. Okay. That's something to try. That's like a little assignment. Yeah. Get a hand, get a handle find on one, one of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You won't find it local, but you can get it online. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, who do I want there? Oh, I don't know about that one. Mm. That's a, like my people. Pretty sure All you want people. me. Me only. Yeah. Maybe. Just you. Just you and Madeira. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, nobody, everybody. I don't know. Mm. I've never, never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and food. Mm. I think a nice soup would be really Listen great. Listen to you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that or peanut butter. I do love peanut butter Same. immensely. Um, but I think the soup would probably pair better with the Madeira. <laughs> I don't want to screw up that weird thing then. Like no. at my very end, I have the worst pairing ever. I'm like, ah, shit, I really failed. Peanut butter soup and Madeira. Mm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. maybe a good like Italian wedding, like a ribolita or something yeah. or like a Italian wedding soup or mm-hmm. a really good broccoli cheese. Oh, my I don't know. Goodness. Just something, something good. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking there's one other thing I want to know. If you were to tell your daughter just one thing about life, what would be the thing that you wanted to teach her? There's so many. I know. This is a know, lot of pressure a, right wow, now. Wow, this is really heavy. It is. Um, I, uh, I want her to be proud of her uniquity. I want her to be her own person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I want a zillion things for her, but like a lot of it stems back to just be you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Failia, thanks for sharing yeah. time with me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. it I'm really going to come up. You. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Yeah, we'll see you at Harvest. Yeah. Like okay. you can just come up for a couple of days here and there or whatever, or just get a feel for it. Come in on fruit days. You can help us har- like sort. You can help us press. You can help us do all the things. You can see my wheels are turning. I think. Yeah. I'll try. Yeah. You get my number. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks so much for joining me on Consumed. To get the latest in what's going on with the podcast, sign up for the Consumed newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com or follow me on Instagram at Jamie C. Lewis. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.